0: section fifty five of the inheritance by susan edmonstone Ferrier. this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter twenty one avaunt and quit my sight let the earth hide thee macbeth the dreary monotony of a snowstorm now reigned in all its morbid solemnity all nature was shrouded in one common covering neither heavens nor earth offered any variety to the wearied sight any sound to the listening ear all was sameness and stillness twas as the pulse of life stood still of time congealed or if a sound perchance broke the dreary silence that reigned it fell with that dull muffled tone which only denoted the still burdened atmosphere nothing can be more desolate and depressing than this exterior of nature to those who assembled under one roof are yet strangers to those fireside enjoyments that home-born happiness which springs from social intercourse here were no intimate delights no play of fancy no pleasures to deceive the hours and embellish existence here was nothing to palliate dullness nothing to give time a zest nothing to fill the void of an unfurnished brain there was stupor of mind without tranquillity of soul restlessness of body without animation of spirit gertrude felt her heart droop beneath the oppressive gloom which surrounded her and thought even actual suffering must be preferable to this total stagnation of all enjoyment but all human things a day in darkness sinks a day to light restores it was drawing towards the close of a day when the snow had fallen without intermission but was now beginning to abate lord rossville stood at his drawing-room window speculating on the aspect of the clouds and predicting a change of weather when he suddenly uttered an exclamation which attracted the whole of the family to where he stood a huge black object was dimly discernible entering the avenue and dragging its ponderous length towards the castle but what was its precise nature the still falling snow prevented their ascertaining but suddenly the snow ceased the clouds rolled away and a red brassy glare of the setting sun fell abruptly on this moving phenomena and disclosed to view a stately full-plumed hearse there was something so terrific yet so picturesque in its appearance as it ploughed its way through waves of snow its sable plumes and gilded skulls nodding and grinning in the now livid glimmering of the fast-sinking sun that all stood transfixed with alarm and amazement at length the prodigy drew near followed by two attendants on horseback it drew up at the grand entrance the servants gathered round one of the men began to remove the end board that threshold of death this is is gasped the earl as he tried to throw open the window and called to his servants but the window was frozen and ere his lordship could adopt another expedient his fury was turned from the dead to the living for there was lifted out not a slovenly unhandsome corpse betwixt the wind and his nobility but the warm sentient though somewhat discomfited figure of miss pratt all uttered some characteristic exclamation but lord rossville's tongue clove to the very roof of his mouth and he in vain laboured to find words suited to the occasion whether the contents of the hearse should be permitted to enter his castle walls from such a conveyance was a doubt in itself so weighty as for the moment to overpower every faculty of mind and body true to refuse admission to one of the blood of rossville a cousin to himself the cousin of many noble families the aunt of mr white of whitehall would be a strong measure yet to sanction such a violation of all propriety to suffer such an example of disrespect to the living of decorum to the dead to receive into his presence a person just issued from a hearse who could tell what distemper she might not bring in her train that thought decided the matter his lordship turned round to pull the bell and in doing so found both hands locked in those of miss pratt the shock of a man-trap is probably faint compared to that which he experienced at finding himself in the grasp of the fair and all powers of resistance failed under the energy of her hearty shake well my lord what do you think of my travelling equipage my jerusalem dilly as anthony white calls it pon my word you must make much of me for a pretty business i've had to get here i may well say i've come through thick and thin to get to you at one time i assure you i thought you would never have seen me but in my coffin and a great mercy it is it's only in a hearse i fancy i'm the first that ever thought themselves in luck to get into one but however i think i'm still luckier in having got well out of it ha 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 miss pratt he the earl as with a lever well you shall hear all about it by and by in the meantime i must beg the favour of you to let the men put up their hearse and horses for the night for it's perfectly impossible for them to get a step farther and indeed i promise that if they would but bring me safe here you would make them all welcome to a night's lodging poor creatures this was a pitch of assurance so far beyond anything lord rossville had ever contemplated that his words felt like stones in his throat and he strove but strove in vain to get them up and hurl them at pratt's audacious jaws indeed all ordinary words in known language would have been inadequate for his purpose only some mighty terror-compelling compound or some magical anathema something which would have caused her to sink into the ground or have made her quit the form of a woman and take that of an insect would have spoke the feelings of his breast while his lordship was thus struggling like one under the influence of the nightmare for utterance miss pratt called to one of the servants who just then entered jackson you'll be so good as see these men well taken care of and i hope bishop will allow a good feed to the horses poor beasts and miss pratt at length bolted the earl miss pratt this conduct of yours is of so extraordinary so altogether unparalleled a nature that you may well say that my lord unparalleled indeed if you knew all there's eight horses and four men said lady betty who had been pleasing her fancy by counting them whose burial is it it's mr mcvedeys the great distiller i'm sure i'm much obliged to him for if it hadn't been for him poor man i might have been stiff and stark by this time and miss pratt busies herself in taking off her snow-shoes and turning and chafing herself before the fire miss pratt again began the earl mustering all his energies miss pratt it is altogether inconceivable and inexplicable to me how you or any one else could possibly so far forget what was due to themselves and me as to come to my house in a manner so wholly unprecedented so altogether unwarrantable so 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 perfectly unjustifiable i say how any person or persons could thus presume a burst of laughter from miss pratt here broke in upon the earl's harangue my dear lord rossville i beg your pardon but really the notion of my presuming to come in a hearse is too good pon my word it's a piece of presumption few people would be guilty of if they could help it i assure you i felt humble enough when i was glad to creep into it i repeat presume miss pratt cried his lordship now fairly kindled into eloquence to presume to bring to my house an equipage in attendance of 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 the most luctiferous description and farther to presume to expect that I am to permit the hearse of Mr McViddy the distiller the the democratic distiller with eight horses and four men to 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 to, to transform Rossville castle into an inn a uh, uh, Care of of the very lowest description, a a, a, a charnel house a, a a receptacle for vehicles employed for the foulest, the vilest of the most unseemly of all purposes. Jackson desire those people with their carriage and horses to quit my grounds without one moment's delay. My dear Lord Rossville stop Jackson bless my heart you're not going to turn away the people at this time of night only look how it's snowing and the sky is black as pitch there's neither man nor beast fit to travel afoot this night jackson i'm sure you must be sensible that it's perfectly impossible for them to find their way now jackson who had like his betters felt considerable ennui during the storm and rather rejoiced at the thoughts of any visitors however inferior to himself in rank and station confirmed the assertion with all due respect but to little purpose at all events and whatever may be the consequence said his master they certainly can and indeed positively must return by the road which they have recently traversed they may just as well attempt to fly as to go back the way they came a pretty fight they had to get through only wish you had seen it the horses up to their shoulders more than once in the snow even then and it's now snowing ten times worse than ever so i leave you to judge how they are to drag a hearse back nine miles at this time of night here jackson re-entered with a manifesto from the hearse drivers and company stating that they had been brought two miles and a half out of their way under promise of being provided in quarters for the night and that it was now impossible for them to proceed it will be a pretty story if i'm landed in a lawsuit cried miss pratt in great alarm as the earl was about to reiterate his orders and it will make a fine noise in the county i can tell you mr delmore who had been out investigating matters here struck in and having remarked that it might be an unpopular measure recommended that mr mcvitai's suite should be accommodated for the night with strict charges to depart by dawn the following morning and the earl though with great reluctance was prevailed upon to agree to this arrangement end of section fifty five